Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here, just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly, that's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Aha! Damn! Back of the net. Monkey tennis? In no way, you big spastic, you're a mentalist! Damn! Sorry, not, that was just a noise. Monkey tennis? I got uh, really drunk last night. Sick everywhere. Monkey tennis? Uh, minor criticism, more distance between the eggs and the bean. Monkey tennis? I wish things had turned out differently, but I'm glad they didn't. Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. You're like packing. Basically, Beef tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Can I have a glass of water, please? Hello again, and welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast, where we are rifling through your feedback ahead of the new series of This Time with Alan Partridge. I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined, as ever, by Tom Dark. Time to run yourself a big bath. It's Chris Rea. Nick Alder. As a public figure, slander and scuttlebutt dog me every day. And Tom Stab. The proof is in the pudding, and the pudding in this case, is a football. We have been dissecting and celebrating the works of Alan Gordon Partridge since, Jesus Christ, I don't even know, 
It's about it's nearly five years now. Unbelievable. Five glorious years. <laughs> we won't stop until we've been doing it longer than we will rock you. Um, thank you so much to everyone that's been getting in touch with us. Uh, every series we get all sorts of feedback, and we like to round it up in episodes like this one. Um, people get in touch on email, thepartridgepod at gmail.com, sometimes facebook.com slash thepartridgepod, occasionally Twitter at thepartridgepod, sometimes Instagram at monkeytennispod. They like to call the Monkey Tennis Hotline, leave a voice note, 07923600017, and sometimes they're even generous enough to shout us a cup of coffee at ko-fi.com slash monkeytennis. Thanks to all of you. Uh, let's rattle on, and we're going to start with yet more errors, this time made by us. We like to include at least one per episode. Over to you, Tom Dark. Thanks, Adam. So, yeah, I mean, there's probably more than one coming up, but let's get started with uh, an email from James Tovell. He emailed us saying, stop getting Norwich wrong. He writes, Alan, brackets the golden statue of, was outside the forum, aka the Millennium Library and not the train station. Bye. I then enjoyed that he attached a series of photos to prove it. So I think we wrongly uh, assumed the golden statue of Alan was outside a... uh, train station but we were bang wrong i i think i don't know i mean i've actually never been to norwich i don't know if anybody else in the group has so i had no idea i have been but i don't know well enough to know what you know the outside of the station looks like versus the outside of a library they yeah. just it just there was a there was an alan partridge statue outside a building <laughs> and we got the building wrong but now we know <laughs> at least we didn't confuse rambo with rocky <laughs> right hello <laughs> we'd never do something like that um i've got a message here from becky thomas who writes hello monkey tennis i was staggered to hear my hometown of delft uh, delft mentioned on the last monkey tennis podcast Judging by your ACAST figures and assuming an average single listen per episode per listener, it appears that, along with Johan, I'm one of the four Partridge fans in this fine little city. Um, We've then got a little bit of information on Delft. Um, And she writes, Delft is a small historic city nestled between Rotterdam and The Hague, with a fine history of girls with pearl earrings and pottery. And as a British immigrant, I'm excited at the prospect of shouting, Your fog lamps are on! There's no fog at someone across the cobbled street and not being looked at like, her words, a mentalist. So um, thank you, Becky, for that. Um, so maybe there's some opportunity for us to do um, a kind of maybe a live show in Delft or, you know, if, if any of us ever go on a holiday to Delft, please do drop Becky a note. A live show to an audience of four. It'd be like Manchester all over again. <laughs> there were more, oh, more than four people in Manchester. Yeah, yeah, I must, I must stress the yeah. There were more than four. Adam, don't say that. It sounds like we're not massive and haven't bounced back. Uh, we've got a question to the group uh, that I'd like to pose um, from Matt Andrews, and he asks, "Why does Alan dedicate this song to Lynn at the start of I Man and Partridge episode two? What aspect of it do we think appeals to Lynn, or makes Alan think it's relevant to her heart?" work now the song in question is a nice thick slice of thin lizzie and uh yeah i i mean i guess like why do you do any kind of dedication to someone i don't think it's necessarily a a plot point or there's a meaning behind it i think it's just they just came up with a funny line which was uh this one goes out to my tireless pa lynn 50 that's the joke that's the line and then it could have been any song i don't know if there is actually any significance unless someone can uh, uh shed some light well uh, I, I think there's maybe a bit more to it because to be honest i've never really thought like thought about the actual thin lizzie song that it is so it's a track called uh thunder and lightning and thinking about this thanks to uh, matt's question i i just feel like 
the joke that lies within this song choice in itself because it isn't like the boys are back in town or whatever is i just think because it's it's a wildly inappropriate song choice for lynn uh essentially like the song is about a bar brawl and it's full of like riffs and solos it's quite a loud kind of up-tempo rocker that's right kids uh which i think is fair to say probably a song that lynn would actively hate so i think when you know a bit more about who lynn is as the character i think that's that's another layer to the joke uh without wanting to give it too much thought there are three things that i think might be relevant here (laughs) (laughs) right uh one is that it's called thunder and lightning and there's perhaps some sort of biblical element to that Mm. title that Mm. made alan think it might suit Baptist Lynn. Um, another is that it's the sort of song that I can imagine Alan overhearing and thinking, oh, this is great. And then just, you know, wanting an excuse to play it. So dedicating it to Lynn just to get it on the air. Uh, mm. The other is that if you listen through to the lyrics, there is a loud, audible goddamn uh, during the song. And I thought perhaps he's done that just to wind Lynn up, or perhaps it was playing and she took umbrage at the uh, blasphemous lyrics and he's decided to rob her face in it by playing it on the radio for her. Oh, I think you. I think you could be uh, right with some of that stuff, Adam. Because it it probably doesn't make sense that Lynn is a thin Lizzie <laughs> fan. Um, I don't Seems know if there's unlikely. some kind of. There's not some kind of like body shaming in there, is there? I'm not sure, but <laughs> <laughs> who no, knows? Let, let's move on. Quite possibly. But uh, on to Stephen Crawford. Thanks for getting in touch, Stephen. He says, "Hi guys, love the pod, which I only discovered recently. I don't know if this has been mentioned before, but why is Alan's house called Denton Abbey? That's sidekick Simon's surname. Maybe he lost a bet to Simon." Hmm. Well, uh, Stephen, it has been mentioned before uh, extensively, but uh, we'll forgive you as you are new to the pod. Um, in terms of why he's called it Denton Abbey, I mean, I think there's a few there's a few possible theories. Obviously, there's a play on Downton Abbey that that's that's a given, uh, and I think there must be some connection to it being Psychic Simon's surname because he got the house around the same time that Simon was on the scene. I wonder if perhaps it's just a good pun they cooked up, and Alan thought. I could use that for my house uh, without it having any sort of... It's not out of any respect for Simon. It's just a good pun that Alan thought, I'll have it. I wonder if it's kind of a continuation. Like We, we see this quite a lot where you learn that Alan actually has quite a lack of imagination. So, you know, he's probably trying to think of something to name his house that he thinks sounds prestigious and he gets stuck maybe with a Downton-Denton-type connection without overtly realising it's just taking Simon's name. I think there are quite a few instances where Alan's frame of reference is only really kind of what's right in front of him. Mm. So it could be a bit of a joke about that, perhaps. Yeah, I definitely think there's something in that. I think probably what we can rule out is that it's not out of any sort of respect or deference or tribute to Simon, uh, even if it did come from his name. Uh, we have another question to the group here from Dom Cullender, who sent us in a voice note. So let's see if we can get to any deeper meaning with this. Hi, guys. Long time listener, second time voice noter. And once again, huge apologies for the uh, haunting singing in uh, this week's episode. Um, I was just coming in on your hot topic of uh, Andrew Burt at Pro Pro, a question about his interaction with Alan in the BP garage. Um, when he says he wants some minstrels, Alan says, oh, I've never quite understood why he does that. Is it because he sometimes he somehow thinks they're kind of feminine or um, maybe he thinks that they're a sort of flash flash um, selection of chocolate? I don't quite understand it. So I wondered if any of your, your listeners had any information on uh, Kaki Raphael's chocolate selection. Cheers, guys. Aha! 
What do you guys make of that? Any thoughts? Any ideas? <laughs> theories? My, my best bet is that minstrel starts with the word mince. That's that's all I've got. Yeah, I mean that that's <laughs> yeah. that's what I always yeah. thought. I, I've never really thought past it. As in, you had the whole camp, David, all mince, and I always just assumed it was a bit of a play on words, which, to be fair, isn't really a great gag. Doesn't really make much sense, but that's what I always assumed as well. Any more for any more? <laughs> I I, <laughs> I haven't got anything deeper than that. I think that that makes sense. I have always enjoyed that joke, though, when he makes that noise. There is something about that that is quite funny. And it does get a very big laugh on the uh, on the laugh track from the audience as well, that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've always enjoyed how. I uh, always wonder what that job must be like, where you have to determine how funny a joke is with the laughter track. Maybe, maybe we should do a separate um, episode on it's that. Not, it's, at a not later a, date. it's not a laugh track. It, that's a genuine live audience, as you should well know. We've discussed this in the past, and Adam was in the audience. <laughs> well, pff, I mean, I'm only ever paying superficial attention, so don't blame me, listeners. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> Nick can't be held responsible for his views he doesn't know what they are i just read the words on the screen and laugh when it makes sense right onwards we've got a message from john carruthers and he writes could the rival names for the lanyard company be a nod to the 90s and noughties hip-hop duo outcast the hey yeah hit makers are named andre 3000 and big boy thanks for making brave people laugh again um I mean, so this is obviously a reference to the Oast House with um, a business idea of Alan's um, around what what name they would give a a lanyard company, the options being Lanyard 3000 versus Big Lanyard. So there is obviously some similarities in there. My opening gambit would be that this is pure coincidence. However, I would say absolutely fair play, John. Uh, That is a great observation. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say exactly the same thing. It would uh, there's been no indication that uh, anyone involved in Partridge, uh, past or present, are fans of Outcast. But it is a bit of a coincidence. But you know, hats off to John for spotting that because it is yeah. you know, it, it, if it is uh, a direct reference to Outcast, they've done a good job of slipping it in there unnoticed. But um, I like the thinking. I don't necessarily think that it's true. Uh, yeah, and I'd just like to say, Nick, can I just shock you? I agree with everything that you said. Well, only that well, bit, not everything prior. Just just that small bit. Okay. Just, yeah. yeah. And probably not everything coming like no, later no. on in the episode no, either. No, just a, just a very small... It can happen. It can happen. <laughs> uh, next up, Dan Buttress got in touch, uh, and he said that after re-listening to the Simon Greenall interview, uh, he felt a way of getting Michael back into the APU would be to have him as the ghost of Christmas past in a rehash of the Charles Dickin cl- Dickens classic. Another ghost within the episode could be Lolly Adafope as Ruth Duggan contradicting Alan Scrooge Partridge and also nodding to her role in the comedy series Ghosts. The Ghost of Christmas Future could be the real High Noon. Lynn would obviously be a Bob Cratchit put-upon type character and Tiny Tim being played by the schoolboy Alan seen in the VT in this time. This would bring many elements of the APU together in a festive celebration, more mouth-watering than a Norfolk Christmas turkey dinner. A ho, ho, ho! (laughs) Well, the first thing to note there is that obviously the turkey would have to come from Bernard Matthews, but um, I really like this as an idea, as a concept, like having alan play scrooge and using the other characters from within the apu as as supporting characters i think could actually work and would be really good you know this has also made me think i would quite like to see a this time christmas special i feel like we're going to be two series of this time uh in a few months surely ripe for a christmas special at the end of this year 
the yeah. timing makes sense, doesn't it, as well? If the series is going out in April, May, then they've got plenty of time to cook up. They, they can just one. use that idea there. It's all, it's all there for them. Easy. Well, it feels like maybe if you don't have a whole episode based on it, it would be a short, that, like a VT package that Alan mm. would throw to where he does play a Scrooge-like character. It just works. Well done, Dan. The Gibbons, if you're listening, you can have that one for free. Oh, actually, no, do pay us. I feel like... And maybe we'll, we'll, we'll maybe put something down. <laughs> we'll take care of... Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll take care of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A pear tree pod production. Um, I also like that he's uh, he's laced it with quite a lot of detail in terms of guests and so on, but I feel like he's left it open. There are a lot of characters in, say, Muppet Christmas Carol, for example, that aren't represented yet uh, by people in the APU. So plenty of room for listeners to add mm. to this already yep. good idea with, uh, with their own suggestions of cast members, perhaps even of songs. Um, I also think it's quite a nice one in real life um where there's a lot of scope to have a secret dig at tax evaders um <laughs> at phone hacking at a lot of a lot of steve coogan's kind of uh, pet hates and and in sort of uh political projects i suppose um could be waving lots into this of quite the easily. Um, alan yes coogan no type stuff that we always talk about yeah exactly um so moving on to some knowing me knowing you radio uh info from listeners here jonathan brown got in touch i won't read the whole email jonathan but uh, let's go straight to your bit of pedantry he said uh, re-listening to the uh, know me radio series along with your podcast brought back great memories however one thing seemed to bring the pen in me to the surface that obviously went over my head as a teenager in the duchess of stranra section alan paints a hypothetical situation where she may become queen he goes through prince andrew opening a bomb through a minibus crash to her husband blowing his head off with a shotgun what annoyed me and apologies for this level of pedantry was that the death of her husband would have no impact on her becoming queen let's look at the two possibilities a she's a blood relation of the queen in that case the line of succession goes straight to her and not her husband so his death is not relevant or b she became the duchess of stranra by marrying the duke of stranra and is not a blood relation in that instance following his death the line of succession and this is before the 2013 <laughs> succession to the crown act goes to her eldest son think hypothetically if the queen prince charles and prince william die the crown goes to prince george as the next blood relative and not the duchess of cambridge what i like about this situation is we would then get King Clive the Junkie. <laughs> Keep up the good work, Jonathan. Jonathan, never apologise for that level of pedantry. That's the level of pedantry we all aspire to, and I'm glad that you're living there. What I like most is his email doesn't finish there. Uh, there's further pedantry, which is purely in the PS section of his email, which is as follows. P.S. Also, from the same series, I understand your feedback regarding getting upset that they got Sherlock Holmes wrong. I always thought that that was not a mistake and actually the joke. Alan is such an idiot. He not only thinks that A. Sherlock Holmes is non-fiction, but B. He's failed to notice reading it that it is penned as if written by Dr. Watson. What used to annoy me most is that after the guest's final line that how could Sherlock Holmes have written a fully accurate account of his death, the response should actually be, yes he could as we know Sherlock Holmes faked his own death in The Final Problem in order to then kill another of his enemies, Colonel Moran, in The Adventure of the Empty House. Quite a long response there. So in Alan's mind, if Sherlock Holmes did write the books, he could clearly write in great detail the events of his own death as it was all a ruse. I mean, it's, it's exceptional. It's exceptional detail as well, yep. isn't it? I don't know if it's, isn't the same person that wrote in about ants and then being able to use nose hairs as swords, was it? Like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, yeah. that, that's the kind of detail uh, we like. May, maybe, quite, quite, quite possibly. I'm not sure. Either way, that's that's exceptional levels of detail, and uh, we are we are always here for it. So uh, a big thank you to Jonathan Brown for that one. Um, next, we have a note from Christopher. Bellini, Bellini, um, who writes, uh, just discovered your podcast. 
don't know how I missed it. It is surprising, bear in mind it was in the top of the podcast charts for a while, but we'll let that slip, Christopher. Uh, but it's genius. Just finished listening to series one of the podcast and loving it so far. I go for a 45 to 60 minute walk each day and listen to an episode of Monkey Tennis. Um, P.S. I'm still that guy who wears a Travis t-shirt. That's in reference to Deacon Blue. He says, thanks for the hours of entertainment. Um, probably leads us to a bit of a kind of wider question to the the group or listeners in general um in terms of any other kind of alan adjacent clothing i i I personally don't actually think i have much sadly uh whilst i'm happy to listen to deacon blue i don't actually own a deacon blue t-shirt but but would wear one if i had one anyone else have any kind of do you not even have a crowded house t-shirt nick oh sadly not but i would be more than happy to see listen or wear anything from crowded house (laughs) um i mean uh I was thinking about this. I was actually gift once gifted a uh, Linton Travel Tavern hoodie, um, but it was sadly uh, way too small, and I don't even know where it is anymore. So uh, that doesn't really go anywhere apart from that. <laughs> right. It must must have been really <laughs> yeah. small. <laughs> yeah, it was actually uh, about the size of, a, of an ant. The only thing I can think, and it's a bit of a cheat really, is that I had a sort of Pringle style uh, golf sweater, but I'm pretty sure I bought that from a charity shop because we were having an Adam Partridge themed party. Uh, it didn't just happen to be in my wardrobe by coincidence. Ah, uh, yes, and that was all uh, sports casual themed. So I guess, you know, uh, do do get in touch if you do own any kind of Alan adjacent clothing uh, or just send us your best sports casual outfits, perhaps. Um, yeah, we're open to anything. Please, well, open to anything, but please, I can't, I can't stress this enough. If you've got something where the inner lining has perished, I do not want, want to see, see it. That. Yeah, yeah, that is, make sure the uh, boys are in the barracks. We can't stress that enough. Now, some of you may have seen recently that uh, Alan Partridge was uh, the specialist subject of someone on Mastermind. Now, Alan Partridge has featured a couple of times um, on Mastermind as as specialist subjects, and we've uh, shared the questions with you and and sort of done them uh, ourselves in our own sort of WhatsApp group chat. But we thought it'd be fun seeing as two of us have actually seen this and two of us haven't, that um, we would actually put them the questions that were featured in uh, in the show live uh as such to those that haven't seen it so both the toms have seen these and know the answers but adam and nick have not so what we're going to do is we're going to play in the audio and we're going to do a little uh a little bit of alan partridge mastermind tennis where each participant is going to answer a question then the next person will answer the next one and back and forth back and forth we did think about doing a head-to-head but over zoom it could perhaps get a little bit complicated if there was a delay and it wouldn't sound particularly great so what we're going to do is we're going to start playing that audio in yeah delays are really bad yes adam they are really bad so what i think we will do is we will start alphabetically so we'll start with adam we'll play in the audio and then uh obviously live uh then it'll go to nick unless you're going surname of course in which in which case well no the reason i've just got that is because i've got adam brooks on screen and then nick so unlucky mate fair enough (laughs) thanks tom and yeah we are now joined by special guest live in the studio john humphreys Alan Partridge, that inept, hapless, and often obnoxious fictional broadcaster created by Steve Coogan. Here we go. What's the name of the conductor played by the musical director Steve Brown, who leads the house band on Alan Partridge's television chat show Knowing Me, Knowing You? Glenn Ponder. In the day-to-day, Alan tries to explain the group system for the 1994 Football World Cup with the help of a complicated studio prop. What name does he give it? Nick, we've really got to rush you. Remember, Mastermind is on a timed basis. Mm. Oh, can I have Adam's question? Uh, pass. 
In the film Alpha Papa, the radio station North Norfolk Digital is taken over and renamed Shape. What's the name of the media company that has bought the station? Gordale Media. Alan's given an opportunity to take over as the co-host of the magazine programme this time because of the illness and subsequent death of its long-serving <laughs> male presenter. What's his name? Uh, John... John Baskell. In Knowing Me, Knowing You, when Alan chose a chaotic question-time-style debate before the West Chalfont by-election, he reveals that one candidate, Lieutenant Colonel Kojak Slaphead III, is actually a student named Martin from which university? Oh, Loughborough? In the series I'm Alan Partridge, during his lunch with Tony Hayes, Alan proposes a number of new programme ideas for the BBC, including a regional detective series set in Norwich. What title does he suggest for the series? Can I change my answer for the last question? Surely not. Oh. No. <laughs> John, John oh. Humphreys says no. Can I, can I hear the question again? No. One, because they don't do that in Mastermind, and two, because I won't be able to find the right bit on the audio file. Okay. <laughs> Swallow? In Knowing Me, Knowing Yule, what's the name of the television chef who irritates Alan with her constant use of outrageous innuendo? Alan later reveals she's actually a failed disc jockey named Peter Willis. Oh, it's Fanny, but I can't remember the surname. Hopefully that's good for half a point. I don't know if Mastermind do half points. Just take take a guess. Oh, Fanny Craddock. In Open Books, Alan discusses how book titles that accurately describe the plot are useful to potential readers. Which book does he suggest would have saved a lot of time if it had been called Church Puzzle Collection? Da Vinci Code? During an interview at Marple Racecourse for the day-to-day, a jockey explains that he's actually 33 years old and not, as Alan believes, a schoolboy. What's the jockey's name? Oh, pass. I don't know that one. In the climactic scene of Alpha Papa set on a seaside pier, Alan distracts his armed fellow DJ Pat Farrell by singing a song that Pat has previously dedicated on air to his late wife. Which song? Oh, I know it. <laughs> uh, I know it. Yes. Uh, yep. We've really got to rush you, Nick. I, th- I think the beep would have beeped by now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Okay. You were always on my mind. Maybe I did love you. Well, thank you, John Humphreys, for uh, joining us for this recording. Uh, yep, yeah, you can see yourself out. See you later. Cheers. Um, now, Tom, you and I both watched this on telly when it went out, and I am not exactly ecstatic to reveal that we both got four out of ten. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, so, not, 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 not particularly great, I don't no, think. No, we're not Partridge Masterminds, although I still think a couple of those are genuinely quite hard, um, but some of them not so hard. Tom, how did they do? Well, I'll go through the incorrect answers first. The uh, the football scoring system uh, from uh, the day to day was the soccer meter. Uh, Adam, the university colonel, slaphead, Kojak. Birmingham, surely. It, no, it is in fact Warwick University. Ah. Fanny Thomas was the name of the celebrity ah. chef you're looking for. Or, and uh, the uh, jockey was called Mickey Doolan. I can reveal now that we do have a winner. Adam, you scored two points. Nick scored four points. Wow. So well done, Nick. Genuinely good. So I got I got eighty percent out of five, whereas you guys got forty percent. So I, I doubled Tom Dark and Tom Stab. You can prove anything with facts. You, so I had half the number of questions, yet 
double the score. Yeah, or, or uh, we, it's, had, it's quite we had double the number of questions, so it, we were yeah. under oh, actually, you could look at it a different way, where Nick had double the time to think of the yeah, answers. Yes, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, we did it live. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I think I think I'm sassed. To, I'm going to take a minute here. I'm sassed enough on this podcast. I think what's happened today is I've been vindicated. <laughs> I mean, if fine. If 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 this, let, let's be honest, this is as good as it's going to get for you, isn't it, Nick? So okay. we should let you bask in this moment. <laughs> well, being the mastermind of Alan Partridge, yes. Uh... <laughs> mm, the, sorry, the, the mastermind of Alan Partridge. We haven't said that. Those are not our words. <laughs> Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, okay, this is starting to t- move into Jackie Weaver territory, so let's wrap <laughs> things up and move on to another uh, favourite recurring segment of uh, the Monkey Tennis Show. Every time there's a bank holiday, we like to ask you the same question Alan asked his listeners in I'm Alan Partridge. Uh, what are you doing and who's with you in terms of your fantasy celebrity bank holiday activities? Uh, it's time for another quickfire round, starting with Mr Tom Dark. Jed, Q Roachford, let's go. Jonah Newman says she will be partaking in bare-knuckle badminton with John Inman, followed by mince and onions. Mark Powell says, enjoying a vodka Red Bull session with Thor Heard. Carl White would like to go water-zorbing with Arsenal legend Kenny Sanson. Helen Hughes writes, I'd invite Sue Cook for a nice walk, followed by a lamb lunch, but then she'd make her excuses and not turn up. Jamie Atkinson is going for a walk in the woods with Rebecca Ferguson. Rob Lang is going to watch Chitty Chitty Bang Bang with Sting. Polo Matthew is going to go geocaching with Ringo Starr. Kieran Smith says, I'm off to the Wildfowl Park in Pepperstock with a bottle of scotch. 
Paul Carnegie will be going on an Easter egg hunt with Brian Blessed and Sue Pollard. Adrian Bavister would like to go to the Debenhams coffee shop in Nuneaton for a mocha and a jacket potato with the grammatically incorrect Anne Diamond. Mark Cocker, Laser Quest and then Wimpy with Patricia Routledge. Andrew Davis says a day of paintball with Charles Hawtrey with a picnic lunch of a Greg stick slice and a pickled egg. Darren Miller is going for a walk around Stockport Air Raid Shelters with Nigel Farage, followed by a few IPAs and a carvery. Mo Walton says, I'd like to have a pint with Chris Rea. Primarily, I'd be asking him whether he now finds the drive home for Christmas a little mundane. Thomas Shepherd wants to go tile shopping with the hairy bikers. Jay Frost says, litter picking with Chris Evans, any of them. Sam Carr says, <laughs> I'd like to discuss the works of Shakespeare with Stone Cold Steve Austin whilst hiking in Snowdonia. <laughs> McCafferty21 says, stand up paddleboarding with Andy McNabb on the Waveney. And after that, a hot mug of mulligatawny on the bank as we natter about our favourite chunky socks. Cold Wilderness would like to sort through old copies of Gardener's World in the Shed with either Pepsi from Pepsi and Shirley or Shirley from Pepsi and Shirley, <laughs> followed by a lamb roast and a big fat shot of director's bitter. Hope Freedom 43 says a spray tan with Gloria Hunniford and Anthea Turner, followed by some pear cider at the Royal Yacht Britannia restaurant. Suddenly Tim is spending his day with Boris Johnson, just punching him in the testicles and face until I could no longer <laughs> lift my arms. The Avanti Gardener says mini golf with Richard Blackwood, sandwiches and lemon squash in the car for afters. <laughs> Righty894 would go clay pigeon shooting on Avon Dasset Hills with Pauline Quirk. Tim Oscroft says, I'd go to the Yorkshire Sculpture Park with Dickie Bird, then have a nice cup of tea at Sid's Cafe in Holmfirth. Dave Hughes, I'd like to go paddleboarding with Wayne Sleep in Scarborough, followed by a scampy basket supper. Bye. George Fairhurst says, I'd like to go canal boating with Dan Snow and have a picnic when, to my relief, we meet up with Peter Snow. David Baxter says, train spotting with Barry Scott, followed by a cream tea at Heston Services. Coleman Hegarty says, simple, axe throwing, Trevor Eve, Northampton. <laughs> Netflix TV says me, Mr Johnny Walker an empty car park in Hull that's depressing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well this will cheer you up Paris MJ says pony trekking with Rishi Sunak Roger Grace, foot golf with Elton Ash M says Battersea Dogs Home with Barry Manilow Lovely. Josh Jeffrey, I'd have a bubble bath with Monty Don, bye <laughs> those are so good and actually Will Morrison agrees because he's written in and said that this concept would work great as a podcast in its own right I mean to be honest we're not actually quite far, we're not really that far off that are we just listing all of these but I'm not quite sure how the concept of this as a podcast would work do we just list that and list those and that's the podcast well, you know, or do we actually we do a deep dive into our favourite ones Hmm, I quite like the idea of it's an hour-long list. Perhaps you could probably go through all the previous ones we've done, edit them all together, and put it out as a special episode. I was imagining it was Jeff, more... go and do that. I was imagining it was more that every episode is actually somebody goes and does these activities. Ah. So, you know, for example, episode one is Ash M going to Batty Dog's home with Barry Manilow. Next week, join us when Josh Jeffrey's having a bubble bath with Monty Dog, etc., etc. I am also sold on that idea. That That's great. Yeah, I think Monty would do it for a billion pounds. <laughs> Domty, Domty, <laughs> pay for dinner. Yeah? Pay for dinner. <laughs> uh, okay, it's probably time to move on uh, from bank holidays, but uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be back doing plenty more of those soon. Uh, we had an email in from Mark McCafferty about Coogan on Conan. Mark writes, "Not sure if you guys have heard this. It is not all Partridge relevant, but some nice thoughts from Steve on how he writes." So this is Coogan on Conan O'Brien's podcast. Uh, I think the official title. Is Conan needs a friend or something like that uh, from March 2020 and to be honest this had passed me by I hadn't 
heard it uh, before. I have listened to it uh, since Mark emailed in. And yeah, it's uh, I'd say it's quite an interesting chat. It's not uh, it's definitely not all partridge based, um, but it is quite interesting, particularly. I thought uh, Coogan talking about how they do the trip with Rob Brydon and how they kind of really wind each other up doing it. thought there were some nice insights there. Um, and there was an interesting line with Coogan talking about in America that he gets spotted in Whole Foods, not Walmart. And that made me think a bit about, we talked about, there's an interview Coogan did in the Knowing Me Knowing You radio box set from 2001 where he said, I like to do stuff that's accessible to people. I like people who slap me on the back in the pub and say, I really like you, you're dead funny. It's also nice when clever people think it's good enough to deconstruct as well. And I think there's this thing where he knows, like, is his audience in Whole Foods or Walmart and whether that's kind of changed over the years and stuff like that and whether he feels like his his audience is kind of like different in America. I just feel like he's saying a lot by choosing Whole Foods and Walmart there. There's a quote there that I'd like to pull out where he says, it's nice when clever people think it's good enough to deconstruct as well. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what we're doing? So in, a, in essence, Steve is saying that we are clever people. Oh, ab- uh, absolutely. Well, yeah, absolutely. But also, also saying that his primary audience is thick. But that's what I'm saying is like it's interesting that now he's saying that he gets spotted in Whole Foods, not Walmart. So I feel like that's a that's a flip of what he was saying in 2001. Yes, but I think I think yeah. that's that was strictly in reference to American audiences, mm, wasn't mm, it? So mm. effectively, Partridge is something that over here is mass market in America is is relatively niche, especially when you think about the kind of the sort of the, the broader, most popular American comedies, things like The Big Bang Theory and How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Like yeah. compared to that, Partridge is an alternative. But in the UK, Partridge is more part of the mainstream, right? Particularly as I guess in the US, uh, I think like, if you're a Partridge fan. You know, it's a bit of a, almost a specialist interest. Like you'll be like a bit of a self-professed anglophile if you like Partridge in America. I would think. Is Walmart kind of like the equivalent of Tesco here? It's Asda. Like broadly, it's Asda. It, right, it's, okay. I mean, yeah, the company that owns Walmart literally bought Asda a few oh, years yeah, ago. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, so yeah. basically, it's it's Asda with guns. <laughs> <laughs> Asda with yeah. guns. Um, yeah. There's just one more um, uh, quote to pull out, but I think this is definitely it, it's worth a listen. But we didn't want to kind of refer listeners to this uh, interview until the end of our episode because we don't want you to turn us off and then go and listen to something else. Um, so uh, again, Coogan talking about Alan being a Trojan horse for smuggling in comic ideas. So much like we always talk about um, Coogan, yes, Alan, no, or Alan, yes, Coogan, no, whichever around it is. It's definitely that thing where he can kind of subvert or insert his viewpoints through the mouthpiece of of partridge i guess um the only other thing to point out is he does have a weird transatlantic accent in this interview a bit like when he was doing the promo around stan and ollie if you remember that so i don't know whether this is march last year so i don't know whether he was kind of mid doing something for a role in america at the time or uh he's promoting greed when he was on the podcast uh, yeah, um, okay. yeah which might be why he substituted d's for t's when yeah. broadcasting he definitely um, did yeah do that. it's a really good listen though yeah i do i do recommend it um it was interesting as well to hear that he's sort of his reasons for not being on social media that he he has quite strong opinions and he i think he basically thinks if he was on social media he'd be tempted to to, to always put them out there um but now what he tries to do is sort of channel them through the comedy and i think you do find that especially with mm. this time you find a lot of ideas that you can tell have, have occurred to him in the writing process. And he's thought, you know, this is something that I think, but it's better smuggled in through the guise of something that Alan would say or, or situation that Alan could find himself in. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Um, 
Super. I think that brings us to the end of our second feedback episode. Thanks so much to everybody who's got in touch. Um, we are super excited to join you when this time returns to the BBC. Uh, and we'll be putting up our reaction and uh, information, deep dive, insight, theories and speculation uh, pretty much as soon as each episode goes out on BBC One. So do keep an eye out on your podcast provider for Monkey Tennis and uh, we'll be sharing our thoughts with you as soon as Alan comes off the air. Uh, if you want to get in touch with any hopes, dreams and thoughts for the new series or uh, obviously your reactions to the first episode once it goes out please get in touch on instagram it's at monkey tennis pod twitter at the partridge pod facebook.com slash the partridge pod uh, on email it's the partridge pod at gmail.com you can leave us a voice note on whatsapp uh, 07923 uh, and we look forward to hearing all of your theories and perhaps putting some in a future episode but for now uh i pass over to nick who's got some very special farewell music We've got a very special treat from Shelley Radin, who wrote to us to say, please try to enjoy me playing this terrible violin version of From the Oast House theme. I can only apologise. There's no videos. I'm working from home and in my pyjamas like the rest of the world. Well, to play us out, we have a very special theme from Shelley, which I hope you enjoy. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Goodbye. Tennis? In no way, you big spastic, you're a mentalist! Damn! Don't not notice the noise. Monkey tennis? I got uh, really drunk last night. Sick everywhere. Monkey tennis? Uh, minor criticism, more distance between the eggs and the beans. Monkey tennis? I wish things had turned out differently, but I'm glad they didn't. Monkey tennis? Where's my assistant? I do not know. You're unpacking. Basically, beef tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you on an E? Monkey tennis? Can I have a glass of water, please? As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.